Ooh, welcome everyone to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host, Scotty McCoy, and boy, do I have a surprise for you. I have on Zoom with me right now, Jezu Garcia, and he played Rod Lane in the original 1984, A Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Hey, Jezu, how you doing? Hey, man, I feel like a relic. How you doing, everybody out there? Welcome to COVID-free. <laughs> Flasher, Scotty's TV show or Zoom show podcast. I'm here. For Absolutely. You. I'm so excited to have you on my show. Um, so the first question I got for you is, uh, how did you get your start into acting? Well, I got lucky. It's, uh, it's a lot of uh, being, I knew what I wanted since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm 57 now. So I was probably... Since I was a little kid, I wanted to be like Dean Martin. I was like mm-hmm. a person with no identity, but wanted other people's identity. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, found myself through through divorces and things like that on my parents' side. I ended up in California. Uh, you know, I do believe in in manifesting what you want, and I would right. find I would find myself running into people that could help me. And one of them was my agent who was Richard Gere's agent. I lucked out. Uh, people like Matt Damon were, Matt, not Matt Damon, Matt, Matt Dillon mm-hmm. were, I don't know if you remember Matt Dillon back in the day. And uh, um, what was the movie that he did? Ralph Macchio was actually in the movie in The Outsiders. Okay. And, and that movie inspired me that, you know, that they're going to be wanting young people. Mm-hmm. I ended up becoming Coco's boyfriend on the TV show Fame, MGM Lot. Now is the Sony Lot in California. And it was a, a really uh, fervent year. The fervent years of, there was no social media of like, I need 13 million followers in order to be liked. And all this likey stuff. Uh, everything was mysterious. It wasn't really much. It was the agents that knew about it. Yeah. And uh and your hustle, you hustle to, and you worked hard and you went to acting class. And I went to various acting classes and uh, got the TV show, thought I was going to be a star. Love, you know, all young actors follow James Dean and all that. And we yeah. start copying everybody. Because right. I'll just speak about myself because I was completely lost about like who I, who I am, what, how do I play that? And then uh, through frustrations, of two years of not working, I ended up going into an audition, which was Nightmare on Elm Street with Wes Craven. And I, I, I read my part from frustration and um, I got the role. And then he's like, hey, you might sticking around. I'm, I'm, I need to interview the jock. The Johnny Depp role was a, was a jock role. It was a football kind of big guy kind of role. And I was like the, the Italian guy. The, uh, the, awesome kind of i kind of based it kind of based my role on danny zuko greece nice. or anything travolta did i was nice. <laughs> right so before we get into um the actual a nightmare on elm street uh film uh movie um so i know that you do have a few books out so uh what are they the synopsis of them where can anyone find them if they would like to pick up a copy i put it in the chat room awesome the dreams of a master. Okay. It's basically parallel to my life. I would say most actors, including me, 
-hmm. We parallel more on a, to do things to uplift ourselves, whether it be meditation, you know, Madonna does the Kabbalah and this and that. Mm -hmm. I did, I found a teacher called John Roger. I ended up working with him and being his driver and good friend. And he taught me while I'm acting, he was working with me on how to be kind of Zen in the acting, you know, that which you pursue, that which you pursue resists, it goes away from you. Right. You know? So it's, it's Absolutely. a game. It's, it's a game in every vocation, especially right. in acting. You want it, but you don't want it. Cause if you go for, if you want it so desperately, it's just very heart wrenching yeah. on, on the anticipations and the, the expectations and all that. So 30 year career, I used a lot of my philosophies from John Roger. And I wrote two right. books after he passed 2014, The Love of a Master, The Dreams of a Master. And I retired really from acting at 2013 when I directed my final, I co-directed a documentary about his life, three and a half hours. I became a good filmmaker. I love filmmaking, according to me. Uh, and then that was it. I, I heard him tell me, you probably don't want to do anything anymore. And that was true. And my last big acting job was Atlas Shrug with Ayn Rand, part one. And I thought, nice. I'll, I'll, swan, I'll swan song out of this one. It's a really good script and it's a really good book. And uh, Yeah. Absolutely. So I have to ask this, uh, the, the title of it, um, is it based off of a night, like, is it a play on words for a nightmare on Elm Street at all? The dreams of a master. Uh, yeah. well, you know, okay. Everything happens, you know, the half your life is sleeping, if mm -hmm. not more. And there's other ways that God or the higher power speaks right. to you it's in dreams, including right. the negative power. And right. guess what? In Nightmare on Elm Street, when I was with um, Wes Craven and Mimi Craven at the time that they were married, and I asked him, hey, you know, how did he, he said that these were nightmares of his, and he decided to make this into a movie. And even Shakespeare talks about, it. I think, psychologically, what makes Nightmare on Elm Street um, kind of stand out more than most slashers, you know, monster in the box is the key. You know, J.J. Abrams talks about right. that. And, but this is like monster in the box in your dreams. And right. that is psychologically that went crazy for people. And it <laughs> goes from generation to generation. Why? Right. Because we dream. We, it's real. We do have yeah. what we call in the spiritual world. It's called nightmare alley, which is the astral level. So if you on the spiritual spectrum of knowing the realms. If you were to say, where does Freddy Krueger live? He lives on the astral causal or the etheric. Nice. Astral, which is Nightmare Alley. Uh, you know, when people say I had an out-of-body experience, I was flying, I, I uh, got in a car accident or I felt I got stabbed. Or remember when, when uh, Heather Landing Camp is running up the stairs and she's yes. sinking into the stairs? How many people have had dreams like that where right. you just can't get out of the dream? Yeah. So Wes, I mean, I think Wes, aside from the storytelling for an hour and a half of a movie, he really touched on some of the things that happen in our, in our dreams. There's always some kind of weirdo or a monster or someone uh, who's preying on us yeah. or a predator and we're running. I mean, it was a great, Shakespeare talks about what dreams may come. 
Yep. What dreams may come. That's from uh, um, Hamlet. What dreams right. may come. Yes. And the thing is, like, the, the scariest part about the movie is, is everybody can relate because everybody has nightmares because everybody has to sleep. Like, yeah. you can't stay awake for you know, the rest of your life. Like, you have to rest. You have to sleep, you know. So that's yeah. what makes it extremely terrifying. <laughs> and on a side note, um, I had a dream one time um, years ago, um, maybe two or three, four years ago or so, um, that I w- there was, it was a baseball game. And I was turned into the baseball and Freddie was pitching me and then he threw it at the batter and then Freddie's the batter. And I heard it right in Robert England's voice. He goes, batters up. And he just hit me and made a home run. And right before I would die, I woke up. Like I didn't die because I just woke up because from what I heard, I don't know how true it is, but you, when you don't die and you don't really like die, I guess in your dreams. No, you don't, but you, you have, a, you die in those levels, which is kind of right. good. You don't want it down here. Right. We're multidimensional. We're not just the body. We're absolutely we're the mind, the feelings, the imagination. Astral mm-hmm. is imagination. That's why when you see horror films and in particular Nightmare on Elm Street, it really sets off the imagination and it absolutely. goes crazy. <laughs> and people like to pay high high money to get spooked. Yes. They absolutely do. I, I love like uh, everybody asks me, they're like, why do you like going to pay? Why do you pay like $12 a ticket or whatever it is to go into a movie and, you know, $20 on popcorn and snacks and drinks and everything just to get your ass scared. And I'm like, cause that's my adrenaline rush. I get scared and I, I'm like, oh, yeah, come on, give it to me. <laughs> my teacher, uh, my teacher, John Ryan talked about mm-hmm. sometimes People do that because they resolve things on those levels. So they watch a horror film or they watch all these slasher things. Yes. They resolve it in that space and they don't have to go do it in real life. That's a very interesting, interesting fact right there. Yeah. yeah. So in in other words, if I want to, if I want to feel like I'm in a mobster movie, I just watch mobster movies and everyone gets whacked and it's just, it's an allegory. It's the watching mm-hmm. shadows on the cave. Yeah. As long as you don't react, but you can have fun in it. Right. When the movie's over, it was just a movie. The uh, the difference is when you've lost it psychologically is when you actually <laughs> believe it. You know. Right. And, and that's why kids. It's very important not to do it. You have to introduce these things to the kids. They don't know yep. what these shadows on the screen are, and it's right. an hour and a half formulated yep. film. It's a ride. You're paying $20. Now it's 19 bucks on, on, on Apple. You're paying $20 to, to get a ride. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I know that um, like I'm an independent filmmaker. I have my own indie film company, Gravestone Films. And uh, we, and uh, I, it's funny because every time like I, I would end up calling my executives and I'd be like, I'm having a bad day. Let's write, let's write some of our script or whatever. Or I would like write some of my script on my own or whatever. And I'd be like writing down, okay, this person's going to die this way. This person's going to die that way. Kind of get my frustration out in a fictional format. Because I'm not a killer by any means. And I'm not a type of person to hurt somebody. So how do I get my imagination? And if I'm frustrated or something, I'll get it out on the characters um, that are completely fictional, you know, on the paper or on the script, you know, on the screen. And it, then when people like interview me about it, I'm like, yeah, I was pissed off at this one day. And I'm like, I wrote this scene for this, this movie just because I was in a pissed off mood. And like, that's the way people vent their frustration. Just like people, they, they work out and they exercise and they punch a punching bag. 
like it's just the way of you know coping with those type of fears and those type of you know emotions so the next question i got for you um is how was your death scene filmed and prepped uh it was fun because it was uh you know me and wes i really you know i was a struggling actor wanting attention from a director which is uh it's kind of a no-no sometimes because some directors don't want to do that. So Wes was a hands-on kind of director. I worked with other directors that were as equally as talented that were hands-off and more into the picture, the whole thing. Uh, Wes was into that, but he could do one-on-one with the actors. And so I was like, you know, very method actor. And I was like, I'm having my James Dean moment with uh, Ilya Kazan and a director. And, uh, and so they, you know, they had to, you know, they had to pull you when they're strangling me and pull you across the floor. So I do remember it was the Desilu Studios over on Las Palmas or Gower, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it was Las Palmas. And uh, it's where today the Red Camera Studios are. Right. And, um, and they had, you know, fake jail cells. You know, it was almost like an Ed Wood, Ed right. Wood movie. If you slam the things too hard, the whole thing shakes. <laughs> so you had, to, like, you had to hold the bars. The nice. bars might have been real. And when the door goes clack, yes. but uh, if you slam the walls, they move, you know. Nice. That's it's, awesome. like a Harvey, it's like a Harvey Corman movie, you know, you got to watch. <laughs> but it was uh, great times with him. It was the one time I was, uh, I was dealing with a substance abuse. Mm-hmm. And I've been... Th- for almost 37 years clean. Well, congratulations on that. Yeah, and I love movie making. So I would never, it was only one time I did the substance on the set. Not a good idea. Yeah. You don't, you don't shit where you work. And, right. uh, and I really felt so bad, guilty, because it was filmmaking is artwork and singing. Yeah. And all, to me, it is. And I don't, yeah, I don't buy anything that, uh, Whoever tells you that uh, substances accentuate the art is full of it. So um, uh, it's really good to be clean in the vessel so that you can, you're making art, man. You're not making anything. It's not a horror film. It's an art film. Absolutely. And and, and you gotta, you gotta go that way, you know? Right. And it's not a judgment towards people that want to use it and do it while shooting. I don't, I don't understand that. If I was a director, and I was, I wouldn't tolerate anything like that. If you're Absolutely. using on my set, you're fired. Right. And L- Lawrence Monison, I didn't interview him. Um, I reached out to him, but uh, I didn't hear back yet. But he mentioned in an interview that I did watch about he, he was in Friday the 13th Part 4. And uh, he had, his character had to be high. And then he gets killed off while he's high. And he said that he made a terrible mistake by actually getting high for the scene. Yeah, so he could be in the role and he said it was the worst thing he could have done he said his destiny looks good but it could have looked 10 times better if he wasn't high on it right and and uh you know i used i think i did a substance uh a little drinking in this so i could cry um but you know part of it is 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 a lazy man's it's uh there are no small roles but bad actors you know small i i didn't want i was a small actor then to think a stimulus can do that. So, right. uh, you know, part of it is I was still going to class and still mm-hmm. learning those, yep. the trade that the, there is a skill right. and 
in acting. And if you use your skill, you're, you know, you see these great actors. I love Matt Damon. Um, and uh, Denzel Washington is such a supreme skill mm -hmm. man right now. Yeah. Uh, he's blended skill with his personality. I can't tell. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I have a lot to grow in, in acting myself. And when people say acting is so easy, I'm like, you think it's easy until you try it. Because it really is a skill that takes a lot of talent and a lot of patience to, to, to perfect. It really isn't something you can just learn overnight and be like, I can, I can be a part of a movie and bam, do it. It's really a skill that you, you know, that you, you can develop in that, but you can't like just learn it right overnight or within a, an hour. It's, it's really yeah. not like that. That's not the way how, how acting works. It really isn't. Yeah. So and the it, next, it, it's yeah. also, a, it's a, it's a generous, it's a, a skilled, skilled actor. Actors are generous. Yeah. Of, of, self-absorbed actors as I was are not. And you, um, this, there's a whole lot of techniques that Absolutely. you can play with. And the self-obsession one is not a good one. You're not, you're, not really, you're not really supposed to feel it. You're supposed to give it. Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, and that's my technique. I mean, I, 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 we can fight about this with any actor, mm -hmm. but the great actors have always given. They're mm -hmm. not. They're not takers right for their own you know so absolutely absolutely so we spoke a little bit about Wes Craven but how was he as a director and what was it like working with him it was great I had a personal relationship with him I used to play racquetball with him nice he was obviously older than me uh, but we you know after Nightmare on Elm Street you know we played a lot in uh, in the valley and he was good. I was good. And then I was, uh, and then that's all he ever caught. You know, we, we have lunch and racquetball. And mm -hmm. then he was, he was, I had a slump in my career mm -hmm. and then he was doing very well uh, during the Warner brother period. He was doing that basketball lady with the, the blue yeah. head. And she, he had already divorced and he was doing really good. He, the screen movies have taken off and I wanted to work, man. So mm -hmm. I think I said, I want to audition for uh, um, a Vampire in Brooklyn, Eddie Murphy's movie. You remember that? Yeah, I heard. I heard of it. I don't know if I've seen it. I may have. So anyway, it's an Eddie Murphy movie. He's a vampire. It's all. It's like Blackula. You know, the first. Remember? The oh movie? yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about now. The black vampire in yes. the '70s. So yes. Eddie Murphy's this amazing, crazy vampire in like New York Bronx with funny actors. Yes. And. And Wes is directing it, so I play him racquetball. I, I play him for the audition. Not, I didn't get the role yet, but I said, right. I'll, I'll play you, and if I beat you, you let me audition. He did, <laughs> and I got a small role, and I made right. up, me and the other actor made up maybe two more pages, and nice. we had lines and improvisations awesome. and funny, funny lines, and we, we did a scene with Eddie Murphy, which was great. So That's awesome. I didn't even notice you in there, so I'm going to actually go back and watch that now. And then I, then I bribed him. I bribed him again. Uh, the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 7, the one where he returns. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Wes Craven's new nightmare. Yeah. And we're all around. We're all around the, uh, the cemetery. Cause yes. his husband yeah. died. Oh, I do remember you in that as an act, like a quote unquote extra, right? Essentially an extra. Uh, yeah. 
So, and they tried to get Johnny Depp in there and sort of a reunion. And uh, I called, I don't know, they weren't even going to call me. And I called Wes and I'm like, yo, I'll give you my leather jacket if you put me in the role. <laughs> I felt I shouldn't have done that because I could have sold, I could have eBayed that right now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, wonder how much awesome. I would have gotten. So Wes, Wes kept the, kept the jacket and, and I got a part. And then I, uh, I started to work. I started to take off and work on Mel Gibson movies. We were soldiers, yes. collateral damage. Along came Polly and we were soldiers reignited my career. Nice. And, uh, and then I lost touch with him. And then, uh, I like, I was, going to these conventions, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was creating COVID convention, by the way. COVID <laughs> convention is you come to me, right. uh, send me $40 and I'll send you a photo. Boom. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, and so I, that's still uh, going on. So just send people my contact. You pay yeah, 40 bucks. Anyway, I went before COVID, I went to these uh, conventions, you know? Yeah. And uh, Wes passed away. And it was the first time we were almost all reunioned, except for, you know what? Freddy Krueger was there. He was killing it. Uh, Robert England. Right. Yep. So he was killing it. So you get the leftovers, you know, when you're signing. Right. So there's Heather, Amanda, and I'm at the end getting the leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the big attraction is really uh, Robert England. Absolutely. Like, I, I never had the chance to meet him yet. And I really would like to meet him. I reached out for an interview. He's so busy that he can't even make time for me because, I mean, there's little old me, you know? I mean, yeah, I get a lot of hits and everything on the audio podcast and that, but like he, he does the big stuff. He does a lot of conventions. Like he's, he's very high in demand. Like a lot of, like how can, I mean, I can only imagine like, how can you fit everybody on your schedule? You know what I mean? When you're Robert England, I'm sure you can. Oh, and he doesn't have anything to do. <laughs> i heard he's a very nice guy though and uh his life nice yeah i would yeah. love to love to meet him one day i really Our, would very very talk about skill he uh i have i would i would say i would venture to say that um he's an underrated actor he's not yeah. freddy krueger he's an right. exceptional yeah you know he got he got the role that kind of somehow it can also trap you and that's yeah. you know you're just known as the honeymooners freddy krueger yeah. or you know fat albert that's it right. and no one else wants to give you a chance but he's an yeah. exceptionally skilled actor absolutely and uh i mean yeah I, I completely agree with that and uh robert england like i mean he wasn't even supposed to be in the second of nightmare on elm street originally they had somebody else from what i heard and he ended up getting the, the part because it's like we need robert back like and I guess it was a money thing. I don't know the whole story, but they, they brought him back because the, I guess the guy they originally had, he wasn't the Freddy Krueger that, you know, it wasn't Robert England. Like Robert England, he was the one that really portrayed Freddy the way, you know, he, he should be portrayed. Well, you know, it's a skilled actor that, yeah. makes, that makes the character yeah. live inside of him. We yeah. know. So, you know, for years he was in a mask and you yeah. don't know this Shakespearean actor. So he's, yeah. you know, not anybody, not everybody can play, not everybody can act and not everybody can play character. He's a character right. actor. Yeah. You know, 
that's another thing. <clears throat> One thing is to be a star and yeah. you're, you're, you know, you're putting your, your personality out there, you Absolutely. know, like Clint Eastwood, you can't go wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, but then a character actor works and, yeah. and hones in and yeah. Sean Penn's a skilled character actor. And Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, the makeup effects alone to get it, to get put in that, you know, hours and hours and hours. You know, I can only imagine that that just takes patience alone. And Robert, he, he, he did it all. And he, he did it amazingly. Like he, he, like, I can't look at anybody else's Freddy Krueger. But on top of that, I could see like he was in Hatchet. He was in other movies. And he, he did amazing outside of being a Freddy Krueger. You know what I mean? Like he is, like you said, a skilled actor. He really is. And um, so the next question I got for you, um, this one's more, uh, you were in the scene, obviously. So um, about Tina Gray, played by Amanda Wiss, her death scene. Um, every, obviously, everybody knows how it is, you know, filmed and everything. But for those that don't know, would you like to explain how that was all done? Which one? For when Amanda Wiss uh, played, playing Tina, when she was drug up on the wall and, you know, and she- Yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was incredible. Uh, there was no CGI then that I know of and everything was models and perspective kind of things and then real like right. tongues yes and uh you know real men a guy's hand really in the tub because mm -hmm. he's underwater yep yep kind of, so there was great uh from the school of uh of special effects these guys were you know uh, in a low budget movie, but they they knew what what the, the the art of special effects. And one of them is the rotating room that uh, Fred Astaire did. Yeah, it's famous. I think before Fred Astaire, it was Charlie Chaplin, because mm -hmm. I'm I start to look at Charlie Chaplin's uh, when he goes back and forth in this this uh, thing that right. you know you know yes. he slides back and forth. Yes. I'm thinking Charlie was the guy that did it. <laughs> but this particular room rotates. They basically nailed everything down. Nice. And I, I do recall being upside down with Wes. He's over me, and I'm looking down at Tina, who's on the roof, but really the floor. Right. <laughs> Ceiling. The floor. And right. they spray. You know, they uh, they basically hairspray your hair down, uh -huh. but nothing's falling. Nice. And, so none of so this they, they're very particular so this isn't upside down uh, it's crazy so, so when i'm like ah you know and uh the uh i was playing cards or goofing around goofing around downstairs the the box is up here and the stunt woman falls on the you know gallons of blood on the bed and mm -hmm and blood splashes near me or on yeah. me. It was kind of creepy. I do remember that those were the, yeah. that's, I, I only remember a few things and hanging out with Johnny Depp, his ex-wife, the actors, Amanda, yeah. Heather, myself, we all wanted to be sort of like, we're going to make Hamlet out of this Nightmare on Elm Street. Right. Nice. You know, everybody, everybody was, uh, up for for not making a, a, a friday the 13th we right. did not because friday the 13th is its own magic yes um but we, we didn't want to make it around the corner ah, 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 right. you know exactly uh, 
<laughs> so this one had a, a tale. It had a story. Yeah. Besides, because besides Crystal Lake. Yeah. Or or the creepy Halloween guy. You know, That's I love cool. all those guys. Um, you know, each one of those is a fantastic franchise. So. Mm -hmm. But I, I never really was much into, you know, I ended up doing Candyman 2, which is hilarious. Nice. But uh, even that was a bit weird. Yeah. Tony Todd, but it's a fantastic idea, you know. It's, right. Absolutely, you know, before, it is. Even these young guys, you know, popping out like Saw and I'm like, okay. So there is like the grotesque part of horror films. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a story and the story is a killer. Yeah. The story, the story is Alfred Hitchcocky, you know. It's like, yes. So I think Wes Craven focused on a how Alfred Hitchcock mm -hmm. psychological and not so much slasher. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just talking about one. I don't know where they went with the franchise. <laughs> they did this guy, they did this, right? That. They, they inverted it, uh -huh. they, it, it comes out. Uh, at this point, I'm, I'm lost. I'm just talking about Wes Craven. Right. In the material of the writing before they went franchise, you know, they yeah. made a hundred, you know, star, this, this, it becomes Absolutely. where, it becomes like, what is the story, except it's just better franchise. And it's, it's about money and, and, and it's, there's nothing wrong with money because yeah. I get paid residuals on the on the nine run elm street thank god yeah. today yeah absolutely uh, but but it's not a judgment it is what it is you're it's mm -hmm. show biz and so um right bob shea making money that's the way to do it whether it had a great story or not you know it's debatable yeah and it made a lot of directors in the series yeah that went off and did great careers. Actors went off and did great careers. Absolutely, and I mean, this is obviously the start of Johnny Depp as well. As you know, look where he where he ended up getting you know, and it started with A Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, and one big thing is like they don't make anything like they did eighties horror. Like eighties horror is just is awesome. And then what is that? Like they don't really do anything like they did back in the eighties. Like nowadays, I don't really like the horror stuff that comes out nowadays. I, I'm a big 80s horror fan, and I don't think anything really in the 90s was good up until Scream. Well, one of the things that uh, Scream was great, one of the things that yeah. is a good good writing is not to do red herrings. And there's a lot right. of there's a lot of sucker punching in, in, uh, mm -hmm. in, in horror films where they take you down this, but it's not that. Yeah. And I'm like, why are you doing that? You're wasting my time. Right. So, you're, so now you're manipulating rather than get me engrossed in the story. Right, and then scare Absolutely. the scare the crap out of me. But uh, I don't like those TV shows or something. They just take you down over here, yeah. and you're like, you really, you emotionally, <laughs> and uh, you know who would do that? And I really couldn't stand him. But uh, is Game of Thrones? Oh yeah, absolutely, big one. I, I yelled at him at a at, in the lobby of a hotel. I was like, man, you're terrible for actors. He goes, what? <laughs> I go, you kill them off. What kind of, why would I want to work with you? And it's like, I got, I got two right. scenes and then you're going to stab me at my wedding. Uh, <laughs> he, he threw a Tigerian. He kind of thought I was funny and he threw a coin and, and I don't know, I gave it away, but. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I imagine, hate that. Imagine if you, imagine Star Wars one 
and you kill off Luke Skywalker. Just Absolutely. Like a third into it. It's like, what? Like and, a good example. I don't know if you ever saw this one. Halloween Resurrection. They killed Jamie Lee Curtis literally like five, ten minutes in. Is that part two? That's the eighth one. Is that the one that made her? Or, or no, she the first back. she was in the first one. She was the original screen queen. But she was never she was never killed in it, right? They ignore that timeline completely because they they regret killing her off. <laughs> That's the one where where they kill her off in the beginning, and then it turns into they they do a reality show for dangertainment in the Myers house, and they're actually being set up by you guessed it, karate uh, karate king Busta Rhymes. Yeah, no, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is the is why you want to go see Halloween. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And everybody was excited because they were heavily promoting it. Because uh, in the one before that, uh, in H2O, Jamie Lee Curtis decapitated Michael Myers with an axe. She returned, agreed to return for the 20th anniversary. If we end it, if we kill Michael, kill him, let's end it. I'll return. You got me in. They did it, but she was, they slipped, I guess, some type of contract in there or whatever that she, that if they want to make another one that they have to end her story arc. So they end up changing it where, or when she kidnapped Michael, when they put him like in the ambulance, that he actually switched places with the paramedic and and crushed his larynx so he couldn't speak. So the nurses are telling the tale in Resurrection. So she knew that he escaped and she was feeling guilty and faking being in a mental hospital with, uh, and faking taking her pills to, keep her calm and everything and here waiting for Michael and Michael finally comes after her and then she sets it up and then Michael's like reaching out to her trying to you know say it was like pretend that he's the paramedic again to make her think like you have to check so she goes to check and he pulls her over and she falls over the balcony and he ends up stabbing her in the back and then she falls all the way like five floors stories down all the way onto the grass lawn and dead uh that's very Hannibal Lecter in the paramedics <laughs> Yep, yep, and uh, uh, the thing that bugged me with that is, is that you you're heavily promoting Laurie Strode in this movie, obviously to, because people are like, we're gonna see Michael versus Laurie this time, not Michael versus Carrie Tate, who was who she had changed her name in H two O because she faked her death, which was announced in Part Four. Trust me, the timeline is all over the place. And then uh, they came out with, of course, two thousand and eighteen, which they ignore parts two through the Rob Zombie Part Two which is like from two to like, I think, 10. And then they, it's literally the direct sequel to part one. And then they have now Halloween Kills coming out in October. And then Halloween ends again, all three with Laurie Strode. Ignoring everything except the first one. It's, it's a mess of a timeline. Like A Nightmare on Elm Street actually gets it right. Like they they... Some of the movies are not as good as the others, but they don't ignore any of the timeline. Like all the timeline is a perfect continuity. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's all like the same exact plot line, just different teams pretty much. Like, you know, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. It's not like, you know, you're getting confused when if you start with part five or part six and then you watch part two and then one and you're like, what? Where'd this happen, you know? <laughs> Yes. So next question. Um, what was your most memorable moment about filming A Nightmare on Elm Street? Memorable moment. Um, I think the, the end, we were all in the Cadillac having fun. Uh, the, and just, I think we're all grateful that we're working, you know. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And, uh, nobody really knew that it was going to be a, a success. And um, I, at least I didn't. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Johnny told me, Hey, you know, I auditioned for this other script. You should go up for it. Mm -hmm. So it, it, that information got me the next role. Awesome. And, and it was, I don't know if Nightmare on Elm Street really did anything. I don't know what it did for me, except I do know that it it gave me confidence to do the next movie. And it, and it get and work begets work, you know. Absolutely. So it doesn't matter what you go for, but start working because work begets work. Yeah. So I have to ask this, um, the ending of, uh, of A Nightmare on Elm Street, um, the doll when the, like, the mom gets through the window, how was, like, did that look like, did, did you, know, like, how did that come about? Did you know that was a I didn't doll? see that. I didn't, and, and, and one, and we did a version where we all live because we weren't, right. we thought we were going to come back. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't make any sense that Heather lives through all of them, but we all die. Right. So, um, I don't know. I, I just remember the the top of the convertible shutting down on us, yep. and we're like, no, no, no. Right. And then the girls, well, you know, they filmed, uh, hey, Tina, you know, I had a dream. I had a heart on, you know, your name was written all over it. Right. And well, that's that was right in front of my high school. One of oh, my high schools. Nice. I think it was <laughs> Nightingale Junior High School. It might have been junior high school. That's awesome. <laughs> And uh, I think they did Grease there. So that's awesome. Yeah, it was it was uh, look a young actor working man. Yeah. We were we were rock stars, you know. Right now, was Bob Shea was he on set at all? So not not really. I mean, he was. I don't recall, but he was. He and his sister were trying to keep the whole thing going. Right. They did yeah. a good job. You know, he's a, that's awesome. Yeah, I know uh, Lynn had a cameo in it, of course, uh, as the teacher. Um, she was the, I, I guess it was social studies or some type of teacher. I forgot the subject off the top of my head, but she was in that. And that was, that was pretty cool to see her in that. Um, yeah, so she, she has a, had a great career. She's insidious and all that as well. And of course, a Nightmare on Elm Street is the reason why New Line Cinema didn't go bankrupt. I mean, they really, like, you know, a Nightmare on Elm Street, it was a, it was a, a rocket buster. It really did great. It really did. It's like, I mean, you would never believe like that if you were to say it when you're filming it, like this is a movie is going to be, uh, you know, a multi-million or billion or whatever dollar company, you know, movie franchise. And look where it became like, you know, such a cult following. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, it, it had a rock star in it and that was Freddy Krueger, you know, Robert yeah. England and uh, how you play that. So it's it doesn't become a guy in a mask. Absolutely, becomes like a, a burnt guy. Yep, exactly. You, you already got your Jason. You got your Michael. You got them in the mask, not talking. Give Freddie, you know, some humor. I mean, he didn't get the humor until part three, but he he still had character to yeah, him. He was, he was doing he was doing those uh those Arnold Schwarzenegger lines and all the you know Clint Eastwood lines. Go for it, you know, or my <laughs> day. <laughs> that's awesome so what what was the best part about filming a nightmare on elm street and what was the worst uh probably the worst part is i heard they i'm trying to recollect get my memory here 
they shut it down. They couldn't pay people or something. They were wow. running out of money. And then they they ended up paying people and they got back on track. Nice. I thought I thought we were gonna lose the, you know, they shut down the 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 movie, you know. Mm -hmm. And um that was I I'm recalling it was 1984 during the Los Angeles Olympics. And yeah. so I would say the best part after that, the best part is the fellowship and the friendship of Mimi Craven, right. Wes and the guys, and we were barbecue over Wes's house. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, or hang out with Johnny and at, at his house watching uh, uh, Last House on the Left. Nice. And you know, all these old Wes Craven movies. Yeah. The, uh, the 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 friendship that was developed at the time. And they used to, there's an old saying, it's not love, it's location. Right. So you're, you know, you're hanging out with your peers and you're working. Yeah. Ain't nothing better than working. And, and that's all I remember. And you're working in a studio. And uh I could have sworn it was the old Zoetrope studio. Mm -hmm. And Coppola got hit hard on One from the Heart. Mm. He basically losing it all. Wow. And then we shot in that studio. And it was the same studio that they did The Outsiders in. Mm -hmm. And then, then we did Nightmare on the Street. I, you know, there's nothing better. Right. Man. Like the romantic part of uh, of all that is driving into the studios to work. It's like nice. The guards got like now it's all like I don't know what it is now, but you know they know you. Here's your thing. It was way. It was before nine eleven. You know you can right. just. How you doing? Hey, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, go ahead here. Right now they probably get they the cardia and metal detectors are probably everything out the wazoo. Metal detector, and then they put you like they make you park like a mile away. You know, oh. uh, this is like you know now they make like Universal's got all these parking structures, mm -hmm. and there's just thousands of people working. Yeah, um, it was it was it was classy and it was an Art Deco kind of studio looking thing. Right. It wasn't so modern. Right. And uh, it's, it, it, I think it was the same theater, same studio that was used in The Godfather when Duvall goes to Hollywood to get the role for, uh, for Johnny. Nice. So do you still talk to Johnny Depp? I don't know him. I mean, I don't, I saw him in a restaurant maybe 15, 20 years ago. Oh, wow. But that, you know, I don't know Johnny Depp, like per se, the guy that, the guy that worked on Nightmare on Elm Street is different than the guy that did Pirates of the Caribbean. Really? <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, he's very affected by, he speaks well, speaks different, totally intelligent, um, love and light. I mean, I, I've, I've always loved him. Right. Uh, and I know he's going through a hard divorce or something that's that's never yeah. easy yeah um i mean i'm not i'm not uh i don't know enough about him but he's always been sweet to me and he's a good guy yeah but i mean you know 20 years 
uh, is a long time, Absolutely. but he's always been gracious and nice to me. So, right. and, and I've seen him be nice and gracious to others. So I don't, uh, I don't, I'm not taking a position on anything that I'm hearing. Yeah. I just, I just don't know. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like you said, 20 years is a long time. Like, you know, a lot of people change in a year, let alone 20, you know what I mean? Like, and I mean, I'm, I've, I've always been a fan of Johnny Depp and, uh, he, he seems like a great guy. I've heard a lot of great things about him, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm really much, I'm a big believer in, and I learned it from my teachers. Like what happens in the bedroom stays in the bedroom. Absolutely. It's like all this stuff being aired out is crazy. Absolutely. And the reason why it's being aired out obviously is because he's a big A-list celebrity, you know, and like, how come they don't air out like Miguel fighting with Julia down the street, Absolutely. you know, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Exactly. So the last question I got for you is, uh, do you have any projects, social media accounts or websites that you'd like to promote to the listening and viewing audience? Uh, just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a spiritual counselor. If anybody wants to hook it up, you know, you can go to theloveofamaster.com yeah. or thedreamsofamaster.com. All those URLs go into one and then buy my book, review it, man. It's about dreams and living your dreams. Nice. And, um, Absolutely. It's uh, it's not, it, you know, it really goes into the different realms. And then my teacher goes even deeper into those. Uh, nothing to do with horror films, but in case you, uh, I, I pivoted, I stopped, you know, I did this interview. I'm always in cooperation for my show business life because I, uh, it did a lot for me. So I love my fans, all my fans. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you for joining me. I really do appreciate it. You guys, keep, you guys keep getting younger. Uh, <laughs> that's the one thing I must say out of all the films I've ever done. It's the one film that keeps mutating younger people. <laughs> like, I'll go to a thing and I'll, I'll go to a convention. I see a, my, my original peer fan, which was, is in his 50s, mm -hmm. or he was slightly younger. And then his kid, and then his kid's kid, right? In a stroller, and yeah. and I'm thinking this thing never stops. And Nightmare on Elm Street, and horror films, I think maybe Star Wars and culty films. I'd say it's a it's more of a cult film, yeah. is that it breeds newer fans, newer That's and newer, and different generations. And I have all sorts of fans. It's like it's crazy. And that that's one thing that's the other movies didn't provide that. So. Uh, when I started, when I started to do, I think Mike Follop, when I got me with his friend to go do conventions, when I started to do that, mm -hmm. I got a feedback, like immediate feedback over the table about how many people love you. <laughs> and, and then some people are clowns, you know, they're like, they will come up to you and go, <laughs> I was hanging out with Roger Rabbit, Charlie Fleischer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Charlie was slightly upset with the guy. I was upset too, but it was weird. But the guy comes up to you and he goes, hey, man, you so you were on Nightmare on Elm Street, right? Uh-huh. So what you done now? Haven't done much, huh? And it, it gets very weird. It's yeah. Like people don't, uh, they don't know the boundaries. They don't know what they're saying. And uh, I'm not hurtful that way at all. But just across the hall, you would see the cast of Happy Days or you would see you know, at the time, Billy Jack or yeah. Sammy Davis Jr.'s ex-wife. I mean, it was like, it was a Burbank. 
right. it was it was crazy it was like you're and then all these people line up and i especially when i went to indiana mm -hmm. and i had people driving in from kentucky canada and you start to really appreciate the midwest and sort of yeah. middle america america all of it mm -hmm. like you start to see the people that you know they're 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 cruising in with about seventy dollars wow and they're dropping everything you know for that signature say you know giving it to me which i love yep. and they're bringing their kids they drove 400 miles and they're going to meet that that's where i kind of bowed down and got really humble and went wow man yes. this is you don't get that contact you know you're Absolutely. as an actor you just move on go to the next thing go to the next thing. and i went back in time to nightmare on elm street to give you guys the signatures i'm getting paid and then I'm seeing the, the, uh, what it's done. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a leg, it's a legacy. Absolutely. I'm 31 years old and I've been watching, I've been watching horror movies since I was six. And now it seems like, you know, they're not even one and two years old and they're going to conventions and sitting on laps of like Robert England. And, you know, when Betsy Palmer's alive, she said that her, that this mother came in and, wanted a picture of her uh, of with the, with Betsy Palmer and her uh, child was like not like six months old on her lap or whatever it was. And who was, who was Betsy Palmer? She played uh, Mrs. Voorhees in the first Friday the 13th. Okay, gotcha. Yes. Yeah, so she uh, she was like, why do you want a picture with me and say and like you know saying that you know I'm you're such a huge fan of Mrs. Voorhees and and like what she was a she was a monster and she she would go she said the mom goes she goes because we understood if anything happened to my kid who's on your lap right now and she and he was neglected and was you know drowned in the lake because the people supposed to watch him were going off to have sex well I get I tell you um I, I would I would want to avenge my son's death too and I was like like people like they really think like this like Betsy Palmer was quoted as saying that I believe it was the Crystal Lake Memories documentary that like eight hour documentary that came out yeah yeah, I think in the horror conventions, I met about three Jasons. <laughs> There's the, the the younger guy, yep. uh, the lake guy, the, the uh, R. Lehman, right? Yeah, R. R. Lehman, that's right. And yep. then then the older guys, the stunt guys, and yep. Oh, oh, the I forgot his name. He's the he's the brother of Chachi's girlfriend from uh, Happy Days, Aaron. I think is he? Uh, did he play Jason? Yeah. Okay, so the ones that played Jason, there was uh, Steve Dash, Warrington Gillette. Um, there was uh, Ted White, C.J. Graham, Tom Morga. Um, there was uh, Derek Mears, K uh, Kane Hodder, Ken Kersinger. I don't know anybody. Um, there's a lot of there's see how Richard they, Brooker. See how the, so many of them and. Yep. Uh, uh, Robert England lucked out. He got to do and all. No, there's only two Freddy Kruegers. Robert England did all the films except the 2010 reboot, which was done by, I believe it was Jackie Earl Haley. Was there a Rod Lane in the reboot? There wasn't actually. It was it was similar. There wasn't Nancy, but there was no. I don't think there was any others. I couldn't walk, get through the first one because the makeup. Was there a Johnny? Oh, was no. So the they're not four kids. There are four kids. They really changed it up. Like in the original Nightmare on Elm Street and the entire storyline, because of like some type of uh, pet, like child pedophilia thing that was going on at the time, 
Um, they changed uh, Freddy Krueger from being a uh, child uh, mur- uh, molester to a child murderer. But in the 2010 reboot, they switched it back to child uh, molester. And like he would make some really uncomfortable jokes to like these teenage girls and everything. And it was it got really, really, really dark, really <laughs> fast. Well, that's why, because the original script was that he was messing around with kids. And I think that yeah. needed to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there was something, Wes Craven, I believe it was on the A Nightmare on Elm Street documentary or something or other that Wes Craven mentioned about, um, about there was a child uh, like molestation sting in Los Angeles around the time. And in order for this movie to actually want to be seen and it not being too close to home for a lot of people, he figured let's change molester to murder at this point, which I think was a good move. I really do. Especially for the 80s, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like now where, you know, the MPA, MPAA like chopped a lot of a lot of stuff off, gore and everything. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, what they had was a really good formula and it obviously worked. You know, we got what we got eight movies plus the 2010 reboot. Which you know it's amazing. Like, you, not many you know franchise films get like a franchise like that and become that successful. So it's great that Wes Craven and New Line Cinema had that opportunity. Right. Absolutely. Well, I thank you uh, so much thank for joining me. Thank you so much. No problem. It's been an honor to have you on here. Um, Slasher Scotty. Huh? Slasher Scotty. Absolutely. Um, Be safe so- there. Thank you. You too. Before I let you go, I just want to verify your book is available on Amazon, correct? Yeah. yeah. The Love of a Master. And I put it on the chat. Do you see it? Oh, yes, I do, actually. Yep, so I got The Love of a Master, Dreams of a Master, it's, I'm an actual minister, so it's Jesus okay. Garcia. Awesome. And uh, buy my book, enjoy it. It uh, gives me royalties and I get to go do things. Absolutely. With it. And then Absolutely. remember, if you want autographs, hit me up. Absolutely. And before I let you go, just to let everybody know, if you're watching the video of this on YouTube, please give me a subscription, subscribe to me. Um, And of course, like the video and everything. If you uh, are listening on the podcast, rate the uh, interview, leave a five star review, uh, comment, subscribe, whatever you can do on the podcast. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, Open open Box, CastBox, Verbal, Breaker, Wushka, Anchor. 25 others at least there's a ton of them this will be on demand and everything everybody can listen to this at their own leisure so uh i thank you so much jesus for joining me it's been an honor thank you and have a great day yeah, uh, year uh, as things open up oh, oh is dc opening up or is that um i'm not sure i'm about maybe 40 minutes from dc i live in uh i live like maybe 15 minutes from baltimore city wow okay yeah, well. I'm, I'm in woodlawn maryland yep Take care, man. Yep, you too. Thank you. You stay safe. Yep. Bye.